weirdos and wonder lovers to your next episode of the Amalgophiles. Um, this is a podcast where we generally like to cover all types of myths and lore. Um, we like to go over urban legends, as would be the topic of our show for this episode. Different aspects of religion and uh, myth, all kind of interesting things and topics. We like to bring them up here and give you guys a chance to let us know where you sit. We are your hosts, Ian Wallace and the lovely Jordan Lynn Epperson. And welcome to the Amalgophiles, weirdos, wonder lovers, myth busters, and provers of all things fact fiction. So strap in, get ready for the show, and um, this topic this week, we're going to be talking and discussing about a few different types of urban legends, and um, we're going to try to disprove or prove whether or not some of those are real or fake, or where we sit on if they are true or if they are not, we have lots of information. We also have the phone lines open, um, so you could give us a call and let us know where you stand on our molder meter or our scullyometer. You know, we got our own units of measurement for our weirdos, so let us know where you sit. To start off, let's um, let's go with. We'll do one of yours. We'll do one of yours first, and then we'll get into one of mine. Of course, I wanted to talk about the big two, the big daddies of uh, urban legends, if you will, the Loch Ness Monster and Bigfoot. So we're going to circle back around to them. But I, I'm definitely interested to hear which urban legends you chose. So hit us. Hit us with one of yours. All right. Um, okay, let's start with mermaids. Say it again. Mermaids, merfolk. Merfolk. Yeah, we got to be PC. We here on the Amalgophiles like to be PC. We call them merpeople. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the merpeople. People of mer. Uh, yes, people of mer. Um, I mean, they've, they've shown up in tons of different religions, cultures, all of this throughout centuries and centuries. Um, I mean, we've got, you know, Homer writing about them in the Odyssey. We've got um, Syrian gods that were, well, it was a Syrian goddess that was a mermaid, basically. Um, we've got Christopher Columbus, who thought that he saw mermaids when he was traveling. Um, I mean, they just, they showed up everywhere in all of these different places and all of the iterations of them, they, I mean, they can be so different, but they all seem to fall around the same thing of this half man or woman, half fish. And um, Animal Planet actually did a mockumentary about them. A, a mockumentary. Yes. I'm not familiar with the vernacular. Please explain to us non-learned individuals what a mockumentary is. Okay, well, basically, they took all of the um, mythos about mermaids and stuff of that nature and presented it in this documentary that 
it says in like this really tiny blurb at the very end that they didn't have any actual solid scientific evidence of it. It was fictional, but it was so small that people watched this documentary and thought it was real. Thought the animal planet had discovered mermaids and had proof of them existing. And the NOAA actually got bombarded with so many questions and inquiries about mermaids and why they were hiding them from people that they actually have a statement on their website that says that there is no evidence of merfolk ever being found. And they, and they use the term merfolk? Uh, it, it says something like uh, there is no evidence of half human, half fish people being found or okay. something like that. Because I like merfolk. It's very, it's very politically correct, and it makes me identify as a human being more comfortably. Ah, okay. <laughs> but yeah, they they didn't use they didn't use that specific term. Merfolk. Uh, so uh, how how would that be possible? I mean, okay, you bring up things like uh, half people, half fish. You bring up uh, different types of bio biological possibilities that that could happen. For me, I'm thinking like Atlantis people that are, that were either cursed to to dwell and live in the seas or they had cave paintings like 30,000 years ago. So the stone age that derived these half fish people. So it could be that there was some form of, you know, evolution that took part there. For me, the possibility of half man, half fish, I'm definitely on the scullyometer on this one. Um, the the just the biological ramifications of a human being living in water all the time and the way our skin works and our organs like it just it wouldn't it wouldn't and the, and the way our body temperatures are like being half man is definitely a negative if you're ha if if the other half of you is an aquatic animal um so i'm going to go scoliometer on this one although atlantis um has always been a particular point of curiosity for me if it was something that was real if it's something that existed proof of it things of that nature and you know then therefore finding out about the curse or if we were to find some remains or something obviously some kind of scientific evidence i would be turned around on the topic but until then i remained scullyometer on the merfolk what do you guys think merfolk are they real are they not um, have you ever met one, encountered one, maybe know someone who has seen one? Um, nothing is taboo here on the Amalga Files, until it is. Back in 2009, off the coast of Israel, some tourism board offered a $1 million reward for anybody who had photographic evidence of a mermaid. I cannot believe people had claimed to see them. I cannot believe that you know that. It is very weird that you know that, Jordan. 
All right, tell me the truth. Were so, you like, if you, do you know this because you were like scheming on getting that million dollar reward or what? Talk to me. Perhaps. <laughs> you, got, you got a problem with that? No, no, no. <laughs> I got to make money somehow. <laughs> no, nah, look, I, hey, look, I'm not mad at you. If I, if I fight a mermaid first, we're going to definitely get us some snapshots. <laughs> but um, I want to circle back around to the big daddies, the main two. I want to discuss with you because you know you're like you're like a research machine and you're like you're like you're like Google. If Google was if if like if Siri was a person, it'd be you. You know, oh, thank like you. That's, <laughs> take that as a compliment. <laughs> I'm not saying that your intelligence is artificial, Jordan. What I'm saying is that if I put a face to Google, yours is definitely one that I would think of because you're a wellspring of information. You know a lot, you know a little bit about a lot. Um, well, I know, I know we've got a few members that would probably agree with you. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think that a few people would definitely agree. Um, so I'm going to kick around the two big daddies, the Loch Ness Monster and Bigfoot. Um, let's start off with Bigfoot being that he is the homegrown urban legend that the world over um, knows about. And also there have been um, different iterations of the same type creature or cryptid spotted in different parts of the world. But Bigfoot, let's talk about it. Um, you know, what do we got? Uh, is there a half ape, half human, and or mostly ape, some human or mostly human, some ape, being running around somewhere in the great wild outdoors and why would we think that there is you know what 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 proof do we have what evidence is there so um if you don't mind i'm actually gonna uh lay a couple of the notes here that i um looked up um and some of the things some of the more interesting things that kind of came along the correlation of why there may or may not be a bigfoot um, Gigantopithecus is a breed of ancient ape that was around during the, I don't know, um, 100,000 years ago, maybe, um, during the period of Homo erectus. I don't care how many times I scientifically say that. It always makes me giggle on the inside. But, um... During the uh, period of Homo erectus, not my personal period, it was a period of time, they um, were giant apes that ran around and <laughs> <laughs> and they were apes that were like eight feet tall. Some of them were uh, recorded to be anywhere in between eight to 13 feet, 12 feet, um, weighing anywhere in between... Uh, Uh, a thousand to maybe thirteen hundred pounds. Um, so okay, I get it. And this is they—they they found the remains of these giant great apes in mostly um, China, uh, Vietnam, Indonesia. Um, let's say the Eastern world is um, ripe with the skeletons of these great beasts. Is it possible, Jordan, that a smaller, more adaptable? version of giant gigantopithecus is running around somewhere in Wyoming and or North America at large like 
I mean, this is this is scientific proof we're talking about. We have skeletons of these great apes. So, you know, to say that a person was to see something like this, you can't just discount it as, oh, well, they're crazy or, you know, they're having hallucinations. Like, you know, there was once a real beast like this running around. And time and how big the world is, you know, there are parts of the world we don't even know about. So what are your thoughts on Gigantopithecus and the Bigfoot phenomenon? Um, I mean, I think it's I think it's very possible that, you know, we had these creatures over in Asia, as you were saying, and that they have them over here. Um, one of the big arguments about Pangaea is that there are species of animals that are on these coasts of all the different continents and countries that are on other coasts that in theory, would have matched up. Like, uh, their squirrels was one of them, one of them that they looked at, um, black squirrels, uh, that there are some of them in some country that's across the ocean, but we also have them here in the U.S. Um, okay. And, I mean, with evolution, I mean, all these creatures had to evolve from something to be more adaptable to the environment that they're in. Uh, Darwin looked at hundreds of species of finches that all had different beaks and they all originated from one species, but they evolved their beaks so that they could eat the different foods in that area that they were in. Um, so it's definitely possible that a large ape like creature um evolved into something smaller that could get around in its environment better and is smarter the intelligence quotient from what we like to call bigfoot um they're saying that these are these are not just like animals like running around in the wild like these beings are smart and they're adaptive and like they communicate with each other with tree clacks and uh you know rock throw i mean rock clacks and um tree knocks and um you know these guys are are pretty intelligent and um are are very smart when it comes to avoiding detection uh, you know in people um so yeah well, I mean, we have animals that have evolved and become smarter also, like crows. I mean, there have been studies about crows can talk and count and identify colors and things like that. Okay. So, I mean, I could totally believe an animal or a another being, I don't, I don't know if you'd really call Bigfoot an animal, but... Um, evolving into a smarter individual. And the term in, uh, extinct doesn't even actually mean that all of them are gone. The term extinct actually refers to that the number of animals has dropped below a certain number. Um, for some, ah. for some that's like, oh, they're under 12 of this animal we're going to label it as extinct because eventually it will be if it 
continues with these numbers. But there's no way for them to know that every single one of them is gone. So the term extinct doesn't actually mean every single one is gone. It just means that it's below a certain percentage or number. Jordan Lynn Epperson taking them to school. So for all you people who thought extinct meant there are no more of them, you were wrong. Okay? Wrong. Go sit in the corner. <laughs> no, 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 no. Come back. Listen to the podcast. And then go sit in the corner. All right, so we're okay. So we're leaning on the we're leaning on the Mulder meter here. We are we are we are take we're taking a bus to Mulder Meterville. I think we are are one on the subject, and I think we are both saying we are on the Mulder meter as it relates to Bigfoot specifically. It is possible that there is some type of large ape human hybrid, either left over from um, evolution or just time of the Gigantopithecus um, that just, you know, time forgot. And the, the biggest part of the evidence for me, Jordan, and I got it, and, and this is going to go into Loch Ness and a couple of other beasts that I have on my, um, actually all my beasts have this one theme in common, and I'm probably going to come back to this a few times. There's so much of the world we have not as human beings explored. There are, there's so much of the world that we have not seen that has not been charted, that has not been mapped nor graphed, and that we cannot go to because of the dangers and because of um, the, the irrevocable um, effect we would have on that ecosystem or that environment. Like, you know, us going to some far off, you know, uh, indigenous people's village and going to shake their hands and give them hugs might kill them all. You know, like... <laughs> yeah. Like this is this is the real danger of traveling into these third world countries, into these uncharted places. Our ability and immune systems are different than, you know, scale different in different parts of the world where, you know, people don't have to worry about smog and sickness and the culmination of other, you know, different races coming in and adding their sicknesses to the to the pile. And, you know, America is, is, is fortunate that way to have all of these different things, um, you know, doctors and some of these other places don't. So there's so much of the world where it's like we that has been unaffected by us that it's impossible for anyone to irrevocably irre I'm sorry, irrevocably say <laughs> that um <laughs> first, day, first day talking, is it? Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. A little tongue tied here. But um there's no there's no real way to irrevocably say that there's just this just isn't real because there's no way to prove that it's not or you know that it is so yeah definitely on the molder meter as far as bigfoot is concerned now here we have something a little bit different nessie the loch ness monster um now this one i think is a little more controversial because there have been there's there's been a lot more unexplained actual physical evidence yeah as far as loch ness monster is concerned big nessie what do you think like okay this is a little bit different we're talking about a sizable beast that may or not be swimming in a very, very large body of water. Um, and there have been quite a few different physical, you know, pieces of evidence saying that this thing is, is very real. Um, that, you know, and, and I got to agree, you know, with some of it. I've seen some of the videos now the picture <laughs> the picture 
um, of the Loch Ness. The blurry pictures. Yeah, the blurry picture of the Loch Ness monster is a hoax. That is that is definitely not something that is up for debate. Okay, um, the original picture of the Loch Ness monster of the of the long head sticking, you know, long head and neck sticking out of the water, um, is definitely a hoax. We know we know this for a fact. It's been proven not only by the gentleman who who did it, but also by. Um, scientific evidence and we have a call in hold on one second hello hi you're on with the amalga files this is ian wallace and jordan lynn epperson oh andy doyle thanks andy for calling in we were just um talking about urban legends um we were specifically talking about loch ness monster and i'm trying to convince jordan that um you know, there's enough water for this thing to hide in, and that I've seen dinosaurs before. She won't have it. She's not listening to me. So I need you to I back. Mean, I mean, they did sonar sweeps, and they. All right. So you, so you believe too? Yes. Yes. I mean, you look at our oceans, and it's like they're still discovering weird, abnormal animals down there. It's just, you know, who's to say that yeah, this isn't some undiscovered species? See, Jordan, I was right. If they can, if they can find where it's hiding, then I will, I will accept it. Because they've done, they've sent machinery down there and searched the floor of this lake and everything. I think it's getting a bad rap too, because a lot of the hoaxes. And... Now, now, if you were to tell me that Loch Ness, that Nessie was out in, you know, the ocean, I would totally be with you on that one. But because of the location, it makes it but a little because harder of for the you. Location and them being able to search all of it, that makes me a little skeptical. Okay, fair enough. Now, I got a little interesting something for you and Andy, okay? Um, here it is. This, this is my thing with the Loch Ness Monster. Now, they did some, they did some, sonar, um, some sonar sweeps of the bottom of the lake, and because of the sediment and the different, you know, loose dirt and earth that's down there, it's really hard for them to get accurate readings to whether or not the remains are there. They've sent dive teams down, but it's impossible almost to um, really uncover whether or not this thing is a real thing. So I would, um, I would accept, I would accept the theory of there being remains there, but I don't think there is one currently living in the lake. All right, so let's say so let's say the last two hundred years. Do you think one was alive or in those waters in the last two hundred years? I think it's very possible. I mean, you know, okay. Well, the ecosystem supports something like that's the real question. And see, that's the and see that's another thing. Scientifically, one of these beasts, a plesiosaur, I think is the um, is the type of animal um, Loch Ness is pretty much. Uh, yeah, it's called the plesiosaur. And they first appeared around the Triassic period um, about 203 million years ago. Very, very long time ago. Now, the interesting thing about these animals is that they, were, they, they had worldwide oceanic distribution. Salt, fresh water, um, you name it, they, are, they have adapted to it. And they eat fish, so it's not like there aren't fish in the water. Um, I think the most convincing... Um, Evidence for me would be Bob Ryan's sonar footage and the two videos that he took of 
whatever those things were skipping across or skipping under the surface of the water that you can clearly see that there were two, at least two objects in the water swimming out of the lock into a bay. I saw this video with my own two eyes and it was not a hoax. This, there was something very large swimming under that water going towards the bay. Yeah, the Plesiosaurus, yeah. Exactly. And that was the part that I was going to say. Yeah, I was going to... One second, Andy. Go ahead, Jordan. I said, no, because then we're going to end up like, uh, what was it, Geraldo, where he thought he was going to Jimmy Hoffa's tomb and it ended up being empty? Oh, yeah, right. No, I remember that, the big Geraldo hoax. No, that was um, that was Al Capone's uh, money he was looking for, I think it was. Or was it Jimmy Hoffa's tomb? Oh, that- right, right. Um, but 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 getting back to topic, um, Loch Ness monster. Where do you fall, Andy, on the scully 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 scullyometer, there, or the Mulder meter? Do you need more proof, or are you Mulder on this one? I want to believe. Okay, awesome. Well, Andy, thank you very much for calling in and giving us your ones and twos. Um, and enjoy the rest of the show. All right, you guys have a good one. Um, we have, um, all right, we have a text message from Sean Sponsendler, a, um, uh, prestigious group member, someone who's been there pretty much from the beginning. He sent in a text and it says, um, and again, this is from Sean Sponsendler in, um, in Amalgamania. He says, I believe that some, if not all urban myths and legends are true to a point. Just because we don't see it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. My personal favorite is the Skinwalker one. He said, I live near Gettysburg area, and I can verify that ghosts are real. And we're going to have to call Sean and get him on the show for the, um, for the Afterlife uh, Part 2 when we bring in ghosts and the new numbers for the um, AWARE test. He sounds like he's pretty convinced that ghosts are a thing. Well, I mean, think about, like, all of the historical buildings and battlefields in Gettysburg. I, Agreed. I, can, I can see that. Yeah, I, I, I would think that, that there has to be some type of paranormal energy floating around. It's actually one of the ideas behind mermaids was that uh, it was skinwalkers. Hmm. That, that they were using fish skins. Okay. That was one of the theories that... I found when I was looking at it. Okay, so there's one of your uh, 
little little information for you to chew on, Sean, about the Skinwalkers. We not only have a text message from um, Sean Sponseller, we also have a voicemail that we're going to be playing. So um, take a sec and let's hear what Sean has to say about urban legends. Yeah, about the Bigfoot Loch Ness Monster debate, anything is possible. There's thousands of things out there that have yet to be seen or even discovered. So just because you don't see Loch Ness, Bigfoot, any of those other mythological creatures does not mean they do or do not exist. Just my thoughts. We're going to take a break. We're going to do some capitalism here and... um been some commercials and uh let you know a little something about deadly grounds coffee and um yeah so we'll be right back with urban legends here on amalga files with jordan lynn epperson and the boy wonderful ian wallace deadly grounds coffee knows how important your coffee is to you every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Greetings! We are the Retro Reductopus Cephalopodcast, a bi-weekly show that celebrates all the things that made growing up awesome. He's right! We wax philosophic about lots of geeky crap like old video games and movies, toys, cartoons, I don't know, help me out here. Music, pants, quoting video games that don't have dialogues, shabibers, tasty news, unnecessarily long Japanese onomatopoeia, butt breathers, uncomfortable nature facts, or how to install a samoplange. And unlike all those other podcasts, we at Retro have an exciting rotating host schedule. Do we? We sure do. So, if you didn't like the guy flapping his gums this week, like me, worry not, gentle listener. Next week, we'll have a whole new host. Of problems. Hey, they might still suck, but they'll suck differently. And you know what's really cool? Retro is part of the Dorkening and Inebriar Podcast Networks with new episodes every Tentacle Tuesday. Which is like every other Tuesday. We named it. Anyways, you can listen to us at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or any podcast player cool enough to carry the only show that celebrates all things that make growing up awesome. And we are back. Real quick before we got back on topic, I just wanted to give out a little shout out, a little love. Shout out to The Strange Show with um, Ryan and Mandy. And also, don't forget those retro gents over at Retro Right Doctopus. Um, don't forget our favorite angry nerd, Patrick Rahal, over there at Shark Bites. These are all great podcasts. You can find them where all your podcast needs are met in all social media outlets. Give them a listen. Check them out. Um... Jumping back on topic, we were leaving off on um, the Loch Ness Monster, and I did not get your Moldometer Scullyometer reading, Miss Epperson. As, as far as one being in Loch Ness, 
I'm going to go Scully. But okay. as far as it being a creature in general, as far as it being out in, you know, the sea and the ocean and whatnot, I think it's totally possible. And I'd be a molder on that one. All right. So we're a molder. So, okay. Wait a minute, ladies and gentlemen. This is the first time. Never before so has I, this I been wetness. No, I got you. No, no, no. I got you. I, I got a nice title for you. And, All um,. Right. In more closed off waters, you're on the scoliometer. In the open sea, you're a little more molder. That's all. That's all. Right Depending on. on where you are. Right you know? Um, moving along. So we did the two Big Daddy urban legends, the two that everyone has either heard or um, had some kind of interaction about. Um, so... We are going to move on to another one of Jordan's um, urban legends. Hit us. What do you got? All right. The other one I looked up was unicorns. Okay. I, I, went, I went totally girly on my research, apparently. <laughs> so, um, but, I mean, there are... There was actually a creature called the the Siberian unicorn, uh -huh. which is which is what I was I was vaguely telling you about earlier the furry rhino with a giant horn. Um, it was around in the I guess well it was around three hundred and fifty thousand years ago, and they thought that they had gone extinct then. But since then, they have actually found remains of ones that died as um, recently as 29,000 years ago. Hold so, on. Hold on one second, Jordan. We are getting, I think we're getting another call here. Sorry about that. I didn't mean to cut you off in mid-thought. Uh, our phone lines are like tripping out right now. Hello, hello? Hello, hello. Oh, who do we have here on the Amalga Files? <laughs> this is uh, Steve Van Sanson, a.k.a. Parasite Steve from the Retro Reductionist Podcast. How's it going, guys? We're, it's going pretty good. See, Jordan, I talked them up. <laughs> ah, sweet. We were just yeah, talking so about some of our other podcasts that we like. So welcome, Steve. And you are obviously calling about the um, urban legends. So lay it on us. What do you got? Um, my favorite urban legend by far, which I actually ended up doing a lot of research on because I wrote a short story uh, that was published earlier, uh, like really early in 2019. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever heard of Spring-Heeled Jack? No. This is no, I haven't. So this guy was basically this thing that kind of like Bigfoot, you know, like certain people would see and then say they saw and... You know, um, some of their some of the different stories kind of started matching up, and you know, it happened in London in the mid 1800s. But the stories actually persisted for like I think like 20 years, where right. people were still reporting seeing this uh, this demonic sort of man that had fiery eyes and iron claws for fingers and was known for escaping 
anytime, like the law would, would, you know, show up, you know, Johnny on the spot eventually, Scotland Yard or whomever. And he would, he would leap away. He would leap over tall fences and do these impossible inhuman jumps. And so spring healed Jack. And there were, there are legitimate cases that you can actually look up of the victims. And there are people, there are firsthand accounts of women who were accosted by this creature. And it is really interesting. Um, Hmm. Nobody was killed. Nobody was killed. But it did get, like, they sort of ranged, like, there's one story where a woman was said to have had a knock at the door, like a furious knock at the door late night. And she opens the door, and there was a man there. And he had a lantern, but he wasn't holding it up to his face. And he said, you've got to come quick. The police say they've caught Springheel Jack. And she's like, oh, my God, oh, my gosh. You know, and I don't know. I don't know. I'm probably getting it slightly wrong. But there was some reason that she that he wanted her to come. Maybe she had the lantern or something. And so she run, rushes out to the street. And there's no one else out there. And then she holds the lantern up to his face, and he was Springfield Jack. And he was, you know, this demonic face and the burning eyes and all this stuff. But all he did was scare the crap out of her. Right. There were other, there was at least one account where um, a woman, or I think it was actually two women were walking home from this, like, I don't know, this, like, fair that, that happened. And they were accosted and supposedly Jack uh, tore their clothes with his fingers, with his iron claw fingers, and um, didn't really hurt them, but obviously that's not cool. Right. Well, <laughs> so see, he, he sort of was just terrorizing. Okay. See, with me, with these type of urban legends, now don't get me wrong, I find this to be actually very interesting because, A, I never heard about it, and, B, it's actually kind of spooky, like the way, especially, especially with Steve right, tells I'm, it. I'm, I'm definitely on, on the Mulder meter with, uh, with Steve's here. I'm over yeah. here like, it's demons. It's demons. It's demons. It's definitely demons. <laughs> All right, well, hold on. With me, okay, here's my thing. Now, the first encounter, when he was reading me that, well, when he was going over that story, um, kind of, I got the feel of that, you know, you know, you know, that, that kind of hair on the back of your neck stands up, the goosebumps, all of that. Like, I got that as he was telling me the first story. The second one, I swear to God, the first place my mind went to was a cheating wife was probably, you know, rolling around the uh, stable with the wrong guy, got her dress torn on a nail or two. And that was the story. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I don't know how much like supernatural stuff you guys are getting into tonight, if at all. But yeah, I mean, that is what is believed started the uh, accounts of like succubus and incubus accounts where they were like these rape demons that supposedly would visit people. And, uh, and you'd be like, yeah, no, it was, uh, no, it was, uh, it was a, it was a demon. Right. And uh, yeah, it totally, uh, totally got me, got me pregnant. <laughs> so, like, yeah, it, no, it's, right. it's honestly believed that, you know, those stories may have started, you know, because people were lying about having affairs, you know, right. man and woman. Exactly. Both sides, the, both sides of the aisle, because we have both gendered, you know, rape demons. Exactly. So, um, 
yeah, interesting. But yeah, no, I just thought about that. There's a funny kind of, um, you know, See, other you side of way of looking at it. I'm sorry, say that again, Jordan. See, this is why y'all wonder why I don't answer the door. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks to Steve, Jordan will never answer the door again. <laughs> For fear, it's Spring Hill Jack. <laughs> Steve, Steve has done his job proudly, and now he's bowing out. <laughs> awesome. Turn Jordan into a shut-in. Okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Thanks so much, Steve, for calling <laughs> in and giving us your two bits. And um, yeah, enjoy the rest of the show, man. Hey, you too. All, All right. right. Thanks a lot, guys. All right. All right. So, Jack. That's a good one. I think I'm going to tell that one the next time we do uh, campfires at the house. There you go. Do the fire pit. Yeah, I think that'll get the kids pretty riled up. Um... Yeah, and they so, won't be answering the door either. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the, it'll be Steve's fault that we've never had human interaction since our second episode of our podcast. Well, let's be real. I'm I'm not really answering the door very much anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not mad at you. I don't I don't I don't me either. Unless it's unless it's that's, Amazon. <laughs> yeah, if it's not Amazon, I don't answer. Um. Okay. So. Go ahead. You were in the middle of your unicorn rant. You were talking about your unicorns. Oh, yes, the Siberian unicorn. So we've got, I mean, this this creature that was supposedly extinct 350,000 uh, years ago, but right. they found remains that dated as recently as 29,000 years ago. So that kind of goes with what you were saying about Bigfoot. I mean, it's totally possible that something has slipped past when we thought it was extinct and it's not. They've also had unicorns in myths um, in China, India, Africa, the Middle East, the US. Uh, they've been found on German coat of arms. They've been found on Mapamundis. Um, and thanks to... Um, some translations from the Hebrew Bible. Uh, unicorn in some versions of the Bible has been referenced nine times in it. Oh, wow. Uh, and that totally sparked tons of people in the Middle Ages to search out these creatures. Aristotle and Julius Caesar um, and Pliny Celestis of Singus, uh, um, okay. which was back in the fourth century, um, they all had reference seeing what they called a unicorn. All of their descriptions were a little bit different, and they were more chimeras than actual unicorns. Um, like one was a goat that had a horn between its eyes. Another was a, an ox with a single horn. And then there was another that was like a horse, stag, elephant, boar thing with a single black horn. I so, mean, with the, I mean, there were with the population of horses, with the, with the different population of horses, given that there's so many different breeds, I mean, how many, just roughly, what would you say, how many different 
breeds would you guess of horses there are? A couple of thousand, maybe a couple of hundred. Probably at least. Okay. Could it just? Could this just be horses with like bone deformities or? Well, and in the Middle Ages, I mean, there were tons of vendors that used to sell alicorns, which is the what the, the actual horn on a unicorn is called, an alicorn. Um, ah. I mean, tons of people sold them for their their magical properties because you know it would make you live longer or you would have better financial success or any number of things. Um, but then it was found out those were actually narwhal tusks that people were selling. Oh wow, that's so rude. So where do you fall? They were selling narwhal. Um, so on unicorns, on the subject of the unicorns, where are you? Are you moldy? Are you molder? Or are you scully? Am I moldy? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I messed that one up. <laughs> uh, I'd say on this one, on on the actual unicorns that you know we see in in fairy tales, the horse with a horn. I'm gonna say scully. Um, okay. Obviously, we do have you know, the creatures like, you know, the Siberian unicorn that were real, but they don't look anything like a Right. They don't have, like, rainbows for tails. They can't fly. They right. don't sprinkle magic fairy and, dust all over the place. All right. Once again, Jordan and I are agreeing, and unicorns are not real. Forget it, people. It's just not happening. Um... Moving right along. Even even though the Bible says it. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> okay, very touche, touche. I like how you slid that one in there right at the end. Um, um okay. For my next um my next um urban legend, I'm gonna go with one that is a little more recent and a little more, you know earthy for us something that we can really sink our teeth into um the demon neo or the demon i don't know how to say this um you know i'm not my spanish is terrible the demon neo negro shark so the the demonic the, i'm sorry the black demon shark the demon neo negro shark um, okay i'm not now, i'm not real familiar with this one yeah no this was one and neither was i which was one of the reasons why it really interested me. Apparently, um, the Sea of Cortez holds um, lots of small islands. Um, it also is the home is of... That a, where the, is that where the Sea of Tiburon is? Um, I believe it is. Yes, it is. Basically the, basically the Shark Sea. <laughs> Yes, which is, that's what that means, is Shark Sea, correct. Um, which, sharks aren't urban legends. We've seen them, been to, um, you know, different um, aquariums to witness these great beasts in captivity, but this is a little bit different. This isn't your normal great shark. This is something the size of what some people would call a megalodon. This is a huge, this is like a shark the size of a, of a like city bus and has the jaw span of like a Mack truck. Like this is not like your garden variety, great beast. This is something monstrous that supposedly 
lives underneath the water. Now, um, I actually watched a documentary on this and then did several hours of um, internet sleuthing to find out what's what. And um, obviously this is a heavily shark uh, populated area and they do have uh, sea lions and um, you know, which is optimal food for large sharks. Snack of choice. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Lots of snackies for the sharks. Um, Patsy, we know you love this, this section of the podcast. We know you're really digging this part. Um, oh yes, his favorite. Yeah, this is his. This is his area of expertise. Shout Bread out to Pat, Patsy, the angry, angry nerd. But um, yeah, this is something huge, like a really big shark that's a carnivorous. The biggest sharks on record, um, the nurse shark and the whale shark are a large. They're large, large enough to fit the bill, but they're not carnivorous. They're not biting sea lions and eating them in one, you know, one or two bites and damaging the sides of boats and um there have been more than one fisherman's account of um this large black demonic shark being sighted now here's where it gets interesting they actually deployed a team on this show that i was watching this documentary i think it was called monster hunters or i forget the name of it at the present i promise i will leave um credits and the name for this show in um the comments but um, they sent this, like, dive team of, like, um, military guys, um, and they're, like, adventurers, or they were ex-military, and they're adventurers, and they sent them in there with this um, amazing tactic of spotting the shark from the air in a helicopter and then converging on the shark in a boat, then jumping in the water at just the right time to be able to film it, just because they wanted to get a glimpse of this thing that people are seeing. And, um, you know... They got a couple of glimpses of a whale shark, um, which, you know, has that dark skin and is definitely large enough to fit the bill. But what was interesting to me was that while they were um, recording the sea lions and, you know, trying to pay attention to how the sea lions were acting, the sea lions were very skittish and very afraid to go to the edge of where the water um, got deeper, where it dropped down from the, the reef. And um, you know, they were acting... Well, yeah, but they were, like, really, really afraid. Like, more so than, okay, this is nature. This happens. Some of y'all are going to get eaten. You know, this is, this is how it's going down. Um, it was more than that. It was like they were spooked. Like, visibly, even for me, I'm not a marine biologist by any means, but I know fear. And let me tell you, <laughs> these sea lions were spooked at something. And you can feel it even through, like, the TV. Like, you can feel that apprehension like i didn't want them to go any further yeah like i was scared i was even trying to tell them like don't go to the edge you're gonna die you know and um like in the horror movie yeah exactly like i'm screaming at the sea lions like don't do it (laughs) don't go in there (laughs) don't do it and um i gotta tell you jordan i um i was left with a feeling of at the very least intrigue and I want to know. And, but the thing is this, and this is why, um, for me, it's a definitely more undecided or a little more on the Mulder meter side. The Sea of Cortez is like, I mean, you're talking 61,000 miles long. And like, at the very least, it's like 
700 miles deep. Like, this is, you're talking about the size of a state, like a country even, you know, this sea is. So is it possible that something, a beast this size could be swimming around and living down there without detection? I got to say, absolutely. I'm sorry, but I got to say absolutely. I think that it's absolutely possible. And until they find the Demano Negro shark, um, I am going to definitely say that we don't know if it exists or not. Um, at the very least, we'll say that it's possible. Um, did you want to do one more? You want to try to fit one more? Or? Um, well, I don't have any more that I actively research. Um, okay. All right, then we'll do, we'll do my last one because I got one more. Okay. Um, and this one's a good one, too. We have the Mokele Mbembe. Okay. What is yeah. that? No, you got to say it. Yeah. Uh, that's that's going to be very butchered. All right, um, come on. I'll help you. Mkele, what did you say? It's Mkele Mbembe. Mkele Mbembe? Mbembe. Mbembe. There we go. Come on, one time, one more time. The whole thing. Mkele Mbembe? All right, that's close enough. We're definitely never taking you to the Congo. All right, um... <laughs> It would, it would be easier if I could actually read it. Nope, nope, nope. You failed. You would definitely not bring you to the condo. Congo. Forget it. All right. Fair enough. All right. That's where, that's where they've apparently got, you know, the Okapi mistaked for the unicorn, so it's okay. <laughs> I'm going to be mad. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, hold on. We have another call. Okay. You are on the Amalga Files with Jordan Lynn Epperson and the boy wonderful Ian Wallace. Who do we got? This is Taryn Burr. You again. How do you keep getting this number? <laughs> Me again. How do you keep... Who gave her this number? <laughs> it's oh, yeah. That's right. So, Urban Legends, what do you got for us? I just wanted to say that um, any urban legends involving animals, like uh, the Loch Ness Monster, Bigfoot, um, Chupacabras, etc., uh, I believe, or at least I believe that they are extremely plausible. I watched um, this documentary about the deep sea. I'm fascinated with the deep sea. And it said something like they discover six new species every day. Well, I'm going to get you to stick around here for a sec, and um, I'm going to get into some facts um, of my, my, our last urban legend of the evening. Um, uh -huh. Jordan just got done completely butchering the name. Um, we're never bringing her to the Congo ever. My um, bad. 
But um, we're, we were just getting ready to start talking about Mokele Mbembe. Come on, Jordan, one more time for the people at home. <laughs> Mokele Mbembe. See, she did it. She, all, right, all right, she may make it to the Congo yet, ladies and gentlemen. You just got to give me some time. We're going to give her some time. We'll have her, we'll have her talking Congolese in no time. <laughs> um, okay, the Mokele Mbembe, okay, is... This is very interesting because uh, for a couple of different reasons. And, um, Taryn, you kind of hinted at this, and this has been my pretty much my biggest point um, involving the more animal or animalistic um, urban legends and how much of the earth that we don't know. But this is a part of the Congo um, that stretches up and down the Congo River or it borders along uh, up and down the Congo Basin. Um, <clears throat> And um, it is a very, very large um, section of the Congo that is uncharted by man. Um, and there are a lot of different tribes and um, people who live there who have never had any kind of interaction with the Western world whatsoever. Like Jordan and I were kind of um, making light of it, but we were uh, obviously being very serious, saying that, you know, if some Westerners went to certain third world countries and in certain un uncharted places, it would probably end up killing everyone in the village just because of the difference in um, biochemistry and, you know, all the different vaccines and things that we carry around as Americans inside of us. Um, but we were kind of talking about some of this uncharted land in Mokele um, Mbembe, was the my 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 pick for my favorite of the urban legends because this is a dinosaur or rather i don't want to say it's a dinosaur i want to say it looks a lot like the uh so is it a I'm, large reptile <laughs> no it's not a large reptile this this thing if it exists it's it's the size of a dinosaur um mukele mbembe actually translates um, one who stops the flow of rivers. Wow. So this thing is big enough to where it's big. It's it's a if this thing is real, it's a it's a dinosaur, um, in my opinion. Now it's it looks it's of the brontosaurus type family. I forget the name of the um, the actual dinosaur that it it resembles the most, but it, it looks a little bit like a brontosaurus. It's smaller, obviously, and. Um, you know, dwells in the rivers of the Congo and sometimes, oh, that's what it's called. An apot, oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to butcher, I'm going to butcher this one. An apatosaurus, apato, apatosaurus? Yeah, it resembles an apatosaurus, which lived 65 million years ago. But the, the interesting thing about this is they found tracks or rather they found marks from an animal that has not been recorded yet to have these like three big toes, and like a 17 inch wide foot span and you know they're finding branches and uh pieces of you know high up foliage broken off and we're not talking about like a hard rain and some wind knocked over a couple of branches we're talking about like significantly sized branches that should not be in the water of brand new uh -huh. trees that you know these animals are eating from or feeding from and they found burrows and um, caves that have been dug inside riverbanks. Like, and the more, I think, convincing part of it were the people. Okay, here you have these, you know, villagers in, you know, the, Cong the Congo, the People's Republic of the Congo that have absolutely no ties to the Western world, don't give a damn about YouTube or money or who the Joneses are or 
loving hip hop. Like these people don't care about any of that. They don't care if you know their story. They don't care if you like them. If you don't like them, they're just existing. What what gain do they have to lie about this? Like, what is the motivation for them to tell a false tale of this animal that has been sighted more than once and resembles a dinosaur? Like, how do you, like, how do you justify, even if they're lying, even if they're making this up and just Jurassic Park isn't real? Like, these people are seeing something. And what's their motivation for lying? Like, why would they make a, and a dinosaur of all things? Like, why lie about that? Like, you could lie about Superman, you could lie about, you know, Muhammad Ali. Why lie about a dinosaur? You know what I mean? Well, like, how many, I mean, how many stories have been made up to, to keep children from disobeying their parents? I mean, it's very right, possible and, that, that kids kept running out into this forest and the parents were like, all right, you know what? We're going to tell them about this so that they'll stay put. And, and you know what, Jordan? From there. And you know what, Jordan? Under normal circumstances, I would agree with you. But this is freaking Africa we're talking about. Lions and rhinos. There's plenty of real, <laughs> very real dangers <laughs> that they can use for that. Like, if yeah, the, if after, the kid from Africa has ever heard of a leopard, like, that's, like, a leopard is a reason enough to stay the hell out of the, out of the brush, you know? Yeah, you but after you've encountered the same thing over and over again, it kind of loses its edge a little bit. I, I would agree, unless we're talking about leopards. I don't think leopards. <laughs> I don't think leopards lose their edge. An animal that can grab you by the back of your neck and drag you up a tree like a stake. I'm sorry, no, that's that's scary. <laughs> well, that that reminds me of that sign that I've seen. It went it went viral, and it was basically a uh, a sign that was warning people about falling deer out of trees because of leopards dropping their their food out of the tree like that like, yeah that's warning about the leopards <laughs> you see what i mean like that's i mean and don't get me wrong i'm not disagreeing i'm just saying that it's like you have plenty of other real threats you know to use for that like this it just to me it just it just rings so true because of the people like they have absolutely no motivation to lie and it's just something that they just are telling these visitors like oh be careful if you're going to be like, you know what I'm saying? Like when you're in Jersey, it's like, yo, stay away from third street. That's where the hookers are. You know, it's like, you, you, you know, this is what you tell people, you know, when they're, you know, visiting your part of the woods, like these people like are, Hey, look, you know, when you're going up the Congo river there, be careful of the dinosaurs, you know, they might fuck you up. It's like, this is the, this is the real concern for them. Like don't get ate by the dinosaurs. Like, and I, I believe it. I'm like, I'm not going to go against that. If a, Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, if I go to a village and, and, and again, Jordan, we talked about this, the difference between horror movie white and, like, regular white, right? Um, where, you know, you know when someone says don't go down that road or don't go into that room or, you know, when the villagers are saying be careful, don't get ate by the dinosaurs, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to stick with them on that one. I'm going to go, I am not going to be horror movie white on this one. I'm going to say that the villagers are correct. And we are going to stay away from the Congo River, at, at least to where these things have been cited until something's been discovered. Now. Well, I mean, we've already established I'm, I'm not horror movie white. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, you definitely, I mean, no, you're definitely invited to the cookout. And if we didn't before, Steve has already ruined me opening the door ever again. Yeah, so. Steve just... <laughs> 
<laughs> Poor Steve. He's never gonna. He's gonna never gonna live that one down. But um, <laughs> no. In all seriousness, I want to. I'm okay. I want to take this on a foot that kind of on its ear. Now here we are. We're in the Congo. All three of us, me, you, and Taryn, right? We're going to get in this boat, and we're going to paddle up and down the Congo River looking for Mokele Mbembe. We're going to look for dinosaurs. What? There are so many other animals that even if that one doesn't exist, that I'm, I'm probably not going down that river into these Exactly. Woods. See, and that's, that's what I want to bring it to. Like, it's, oh. like, there's just so much of that, of that region that's uncharted. Like, literally men have no idea what's there. It's interesting that you, that you bring up the Congo. Um, in the late 1800s, early 1900s, during the, the scramble for Africa, Belgium um, wanted a piece of Africa, and the king of Belgium, King Leopold, actually, he, he stole the Congo. I was about to say he purchased it, but he didn't. Um, he stole it. He sent emissaries. He had um, these tribal leaders sign these contracts when they weren't aware of what they were signing. He took their land and basically enslaved um, a huge portion of the Congolese. Mm. And in the end, 11 million Congolese died because of this man's reign. I mean, they did horrible things to these people. They were were, um, forced to tap trees for rubber. Um, And so... The, the point in relation to the topic is before this happened, King Leopold sent an explorer to the Congo and he had a team of hundreds with him and they were actually trying to chart a path from one end of the Congo to the other. And they would have to do things like they would have to take apart the boats and carry them um, through the jungle, try to strike a path through the jungle and then reassemble the boats when they got to the river again. And this took them, I want to say two years. It took them a long time to trek through the Congo. So in terms of talking about how unexplored it is and how hard it is to get through, um, this, we're talking about extremely dense, dangerous jungle. Okay. It's not a place where you would just kind of walk off into the woods you know, to, to go exploring. This is the kind of place where you walk off into the jungle and you don't come back because you get lost or because you get... Because they're getting off. eaten by the Mbembe. <laughs> exactly. Now, hold on. Um, I actually um, have some of the specs here. Um, Taryn brought up some very uh, interesting points, so I'm going to um, piggyback off of that. Um, we're talking about almost 2 million square kilometers of humid forest, about the size of Mexico. This is just the, the Congo Basin. This is not the entire Congo. We're just talking about the basin where the, um, where the river um, ends up coming out on. Um, so we're talking about just this one area that is almost the size of Mexico, and it includes a secondary savanna forest, the area of which that is 3 million square kilometers, almost half the size of the continental United States. All right. Um, the Congolese River is about... Um, it says here the length is about two, I'm sorry, the Congo River is, a, is about 2,920 miles long. I think it's a, the third longest river. In the uh, world, yeah. Amazon and the Nile, yeah. Yeah, it's one, of the, it's one of the longest. So we're talking about, like, even if, even if I gave you, I, all right, I'm, money, I'm, I'm, I'm Mr. Moneybags. I give you both $10 million and send you out to go chart every part of the Congo. It would take you a lifetime. 
and all of that money to do it in these modern times. You know what I mean? Like it's that big. So and it would be insanely dangerous. Right. Which you exactly, which, and we don't even want to get into the, the, you know, the logistics of how impossible it is, but at the very least you're talking about a damn near impossible um, venture here. So could there be something left over from a time period before time? Could there be something, you know, out there? I don't know. I'm definitely, I'm definitely Mulder here on this particular topic. I'm more Mulder than Scully. Now you got some things like um, uh, uh, Parasite Steve brought up um, Spring Hill Jack and you know, it's a little more far-fetched, or like Dracula's a little more far-fetched, the Incubus, the Succubus, a little more far-fetched than I get it. Or like, we you know, we were talking about unicorns when Jordan brought up unicorns, a little more out the wheelhouse, but something like this, I'm sorry. I'm a lot more molder than I am, Scully, and if I walked, you know, or was paddling down the, the Congo River and saw Mukele and Bimbe, I wouldn't be surprised. I just would try to steer clear of the dinosaur. <laughs> So, yeah, that's me. Um, thank you, Taryn, for calling in and give us your two cents. Of course. And uh, we appreciate having you on the show as always, and we hope that you enjoy the rest of the show here. Thanks so much. I'm sure I will. All right. You guys have a good night. All right. Thanks. I almost forgot, Jordan, that we, um, have, we're running a poll on um, the topic of Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster. Where do you land on our molder meter or our scullyometer? And um, I'd like to read those results and um, go over them with you real quick. And uh, they're pretty interesting. What do you think? Should we do that? Sure thing. All right. Um, this was posted not only in Amalgamania, but it was also posted in Anime Universe. Um, the poll reads, on the topic of Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster, where do you land? Um, the Mulder meter is you believe, and the scullyometer is you need proof. Um, these, these are actually really, really close. We have 25 votes for um, the scullyometer, I need proof, and 21 votes for the Mulder meter, I believe. And then we have four people who are completely undecided and don't know which way they land. Um, that's pretty close, and it seems accurate. For me personally, I think that that's that's about right. Like there should be a a pretty split decision on whether you do or don't believe, especially on the topic of Loch Ness monster and Bigfoot. Other urban legends, a little more, less. But on this one, I feel like it's pretty even. How do you feel? I mean, I think even we were pretty undecided on stuff, so it totally makes sense that it was split down the middle. Agreed. Agreed. I think uh, honestly, I would say. I was more decided that I believed on some than I wasn't. And then more or less, I need proof on some as I heard them. So that's pretty much where I stand on all urban legends. It's once I hear it, I'll be able to make a more informed decision. Or once I research it, I'll be able to do a more informed decision. But initially, yeah, it's definitely kind of split right down the middle. I have to agree. Um, so yeah, that, those are our poll results. And, um, I think we're going to do some more of these in the future. I like this. I like the turnout, um, and I like the information we got on it, and we got plenty of interaction in the group, so be looking out for more polls as they relate to the Amalgophiles. All right, Jordan. All right, so here we are, okay? We're at the ending of the road here. What are we? Are we more Scully 
or more Molder here when it comes to urban legends? Um, I think I'm probably more Molder, but I think that there are definitely um, restrictions on what I will believe. Okay. Um, such as like with Loch Ness, I, I will believe that this creature does exist but I'm very skeptical of where it exists. Okay. No, I got you. I think I'm going to agree with you. I'm a lot more molder with my tendencies to be Scully. <laughs> and, That's where I'm at. And you might be Scully on Spring Heel Jack, but like I said, mm, demons. No. Yeah, you're not. <laughs> I can't. I just can't. That is so, so funny. Um, if there's, all right. If there's, all right. I can I can watch a movie about you know most most anything, but the thing that's really gonna freak me out that I'm and I literally did this once. Um, I went and saw The Conjuring in theaters and got home. I was driving home in you know I live in the middle of nowhere where it's totally dark out. There are no street lights. Everything is dark, and it was like two a.m. And this was right after Spencer and I first started dating and he had moved in with me. He hadn't even lived with me for like a month. And I called him at two in the morning and I was like, listen, I'm going to need you to turn on every light in the house and turn on the porch light. And I'm going to need you to meet me in the yard because I just watched a movie about demons and not sure I'm going to sleep tonight. Like that is, that is definitely where I draw my line is demons okay so demons then um for me i'm definitely a little more smolder here i gotta say i'm uh, urban legends intrigue me and i think that's the whole point to them is to kind of draw that line in between what we believe and what we do not so give me all your urban legends i will take them um i'm looking forward to uh hearing what you guys think about urban legends and hearing some of um we got some awesome feedback and some great call-ins um, we got some voicemails that we're going to play during this show, so um, definitely um, let me let me know what you guys think about all of the information that you're receiving. Okay. Um, so yes, that is our show for this episode. Thank you all for listening and tuning in. Please join us um, two weeks from now on Tuesday when we are going to be talking about, Jordan, what is going to be our next topic? Um life out there in the milky way so aliens i'm gonna be talking about the aliens not like the ones that they hold down their ins like the real aliens that have spaceships little green men from outer space i'm gonna be talking about or gray or or prink you never know they might swing that way you don't know they're aliens no, they're, the, Ros- the roswell grays that's what they were called Oh, man, I, I'm already loving this topic. So please join us when we are going to be talking about are we alone in the Milky Way? Is there some type of proof of life and or some type of supportive life ecosystem out there in the Milky Way that we don't know about? Ladies and gentlemen, break out your telescopes. Give us a call. Leave voicemails. Let us know. And um, this has been the boy wonderful Ian Waller and the lovely Jordan Lynn Epperson. And we are your hosts for the Amalgam Files, Coast Encounters of the Nerd Kind. Can't wait to see you guys in the next show.